Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Bootstrapped Digest with me, Ashley Baxter. It has been a really busy and good week for me um, with Jack. Big news, with Jack is finally directly authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. And I'm going to do an entire episode on what that means for me, for the customers, for the business. Um, I'm going to break down how long it took to make this happen, how much it cost, because I really want to shine a light on how non-startup friendly insurance is. Um, But that was exciting. So yeah, last week got the green light with Jack's finally fully authorised and regulated by the FCA. And I also gave my last talk of the year in Belfast, Uh, It was really great to be back in Belfast. I love that city. I have so many friends there, so many memories. I need to make sure that I visit a bit more often. And I also gave my blog, iamashley.co.uk, a bit of a makeover. And a few other good things happened that I can't yet talk about. But what I can talk about is um, what this episode is about. And... I, when I was giving my website a, a makeover, I read one of my early posts just after I launched with Jack. I'd written a blog post called Post-Launch Problems. And I thought it'd be really interesting to revisit that article and see how I've solved those problems or if they still exist. So let's get into it. So the first problem that I wrote about was really learning how to understand my audience's preferences. Uh, In 2016, I asked the question, should I compromise on With Jack's ethos to give my customers access to cheaper premiums or do they value convenience and simplicity more? And the reason that I was asking that question was because I had the option to work with a cheaper insurer than the one that I had originally launched with, but I had a few concerns about it. Um, It was a cheaper product and whilst shoppers think that that's a good thing, it's usually cheaper for a reason, you know, less cover, fewer feet, features. Uh, This insurer also required a lot of information up front to determine your eligibility, which would make the sign-up process considerably lengthier. And the reputation for paying out claims wasn't all that great. So to me, it was a no-brainer. I should work with the insurer whose onboarding was slicker and had a good reputation for paying out claims, even if it was a more expensive product. You see, it's always been really important to me to establish with Jack as the best fit for freelancers. And that meant being mindful of the insurer I partnered with and carefully selecting the product that I sold. Um, I believe that customers shouldn't just have a nice experience when buying their insurance, but their insurance should actually come through for them if they ever need to make a claim. But post-launch, the harsh reality became evident very, very quickly. Most people don't perceive the value of insurance, which means price is the top of their list when shopping around. So even though I didn't want to be known as the cheapest or judged purely in price, I knew that I was battling this price-driven mindset that's been established in insurance for years. Now, in the end, I decided to stay with the insurer with the more expensive product. Why? Well, it's important to me that, one, I build a profitable business that will still be here next year. So that means not being the cheapest. Two, it's important to me that my customers have faith that their claims will be paid out. And that means not offering the cheapest product that's probably going to cut a few corners. And three, it's important to me 
that the customer journey is as painless as possible, and that means asking fewer questions. Now, fortunately, um, I was quite lucky because I'd established a pretty good relationship with the insurer that I'd launched with. Uh, so they worked with me on establishing a better price point because of the feedback that I was getting about price. And in some cases, they even dropped their premiums by half. And I also believe that the more business I bring them, the more scope I have to negotiate and make adjustments that better suit my customers. And two years down the line, it's a choice that I have never regretted because we have ha had several customers make a claim and I have confidence in the way they're handled. You know, I, I do think my customers are in good hands and that's the most important thing to me. Now, yes, there are competitors undercutting me and yes, I lose some sales to them. There will always be competitors undercutting me, but it's doubtful that unless they have the volume to sustain that, that they'll be in business long term. So two years later, I still battle issues with pricing, but I think that will always be part of this industry. And my goal is to bake more value into With Jack so people aren't exclusively focused on price. The second problem that I talked about was the difficulty I had balancing everything as a solo founder. 2016, Ashley said, all of my processes are manual. In the future, I'll be automating tasks, but for now I'm doing and handling everything myself. Well, I actually ended up manually processing quotes for another two years after writing that. <laughs> and I've worked out that I've sent over 800 quotes and I've spent over 2,500 minutes sitting at a computer processing them. In fact, it wasn't until last month, uh, last month that I shipped instant quotes. Uh, so that means that the leads that now come through the system are likelier to convert instead of those just shopping around. I, um, I knew things would feel quieter when we shipped instant quotes because there'd be less work for me to do on that front, but that's a good thing. It frees me up to focus on doing the work to bring people to the website and um, one step closer to automating the whole customer journey and removing me entirely. Now, despite there being less work involved, I still do find it tricky balancing everything as a solo founder. You know, there's admin, sales, marketing, customer support. Um, I do it all. And some days it can be pretty rough. And that's not even factoring in the emotional burden of being a solo founder, which I did a whole episode about recently. Um, navigating a funk as a solo founder because there's nobody to pick up the slack so you can get the rest you need to recharge your batteries. And again, I think this is another problem that never fully goes away. Uh, shipping instant quotes may mean that I'm freeing up my time processing any dead leads that come in, but there are still a lot of plates to keep spinning. And automating part of the customer journey is a step in the right direction because it removes me from what was a very time-consuming part of the business. But being a solo founder will always have its challenges. And the last problem I talked about two years ago was starting a business in an industry that's hundreds of years old. So 2016, Ashley said, with Jack is one month old, yet I'm competing against insurers who have decades of experience. How do I convince people to get on board with a new business? I thought, this is the one that interests me the most, I thought this would be my biggest problem post-launch. And in hindsight, it's not been as big a problem as I'd imagined. 
Now, my concern was that my competitors are household names. You see their adverts on TV. You see them on billboards. Therefore, they maybe appear more trustworthy. Uh, you know, are people concerned about insurance startups not being around in a year? They probably should be. There's a, an insurance startup that I've been talking about and praising um, since I first came across them. I love their brand and everything and how they executed on things. Um, they didn't even last a year. They're bust. They're out of business now. So my other concern was that my competitors stocked lots of products. They'd built all of the tech to automate everything from buying policies to submitting claims. And many of them offered value-added services to deliver more worth to customers. And there I was launching with just one product, professional indemnity insurance, great product, you should have it, and manually processing quotes. How could I ever compete with that? But two years later, it's clear that I could compete and I've built a business. I've signed up hundreds of customers, added more products to the line and will continue to do so, shipped instant quotes with lots more features to come. Now, I think a lot of what helped me get through the first year as a new business in this industry was the work that I'd put in beforehand. So in the years leading up to With Jack, I was attending and speaking at web conferences and meetups, and that helped me to build a small network of people in that world. So when it came time to launch With Jack, many of these people were my first customers or helped me to spread the word. And if I was to do anything differently with my launch or pre-launch, I wish that I'd put more effort into that because I would have had an even stronger start. So those were the problems that I, I spoke about. Um, but there are, of course, new problems. I'm moving into a new stage of With Jack's life. And while some of these problems um, that I spoke about two years ago may not be as profound anymore, there are other obstacles as a result of being in my second year. I think the big one is this question that I have to ask myself on a daily basis, and that's whether I remain bootstrapped or take investment. And um, I'm not going to lie, that's on my mind pretty much every day now that I'm in my second year. I've proven I can build a business with Jackie shipping over £10,000 of insurance products a month. So what next? My heart says to remain bootstrapped. But the reality is that I'm not moving quickly enough with features and products. And an opportunity recently arose that I could only take had I sought investment. Now, I'm aware that I'd be building a very different business of a chosen investment, and that's what I'm apprehensive about. Bootstrapping with Jack means I can always put my customers at the centre of the decisions I make. That's incredibly important to me. And I'm worried that taking investment means the goalposts shift and you have people involved with a conflict of interest. For example, customers aren't at the centre of decisions return on investment is. Another problem that I reckon I'll be facing pretty soon is making my first hire Whoa, so I'm hoping that 2019 will see me make my first hire and that's new territory for me and it's pretty terrifying. It makes the business even more real. Um, I've worked for myself and on my own for over 10 years. So whilst making my first hire would be an exciting step forward, it would certainly bring new challenges. So yeah, those that's, that's the episode. Those are some of the problems I faced two years ago. That's where I am now with them. And these are the problems I have 
currently and uh, and ahead of me. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I have a few others up my sleeve. I'm kind of on a roll with um, with creating content right now. And um, like I said in the last episode, I'm going to have a lot more time to do this stuff. And um, yeah, I have a long list of things I want to talk about. I'm really excited. Things are good right now. Things are really good right now. All right, thanks for listening. I'll see you next... Oh, no, I'll say that. I won't see you. I'll speak to you the next time. Bye.